Hello and welcome to the Healthy Back, the podcast that shares practical tips to have a healthy spine and lead an active lifestyle. I'm your host Taruna Rijwani, physical therapist and McKinsey Method specialist, and every week I'll be sharing tips and lessons to help you manage your back problems without pain pills, injections or surgeries. We will talk about the common challenges that people with spinal issues face, debunk the myths, and even break down the research on spine and joint related problems for you. And yes, also have a lot of fun along the way. I hope you'll join me on the ride. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're listening, Don't forget to leave a ratings and review on iTunes. It really helps to spread the message further. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Back. Before I dive into this week's episode, I wanted to talk about something exciting that I have launched this month. So over the years I have helped several people at least thousands of people develop uh, after they've developed a back pain or sciatica episode from being in a long flight either while they are at their destination via video or as soon as they get back home from their trip the first thing in order is to get treated for their back pain sciatica or pinched nerve episode So of course being in a long flight is definitely a recipe for disaster for your spinal joints your spine and your other joints they were not designed to be in this in these narrow cabins with extremely small leg rooms for several hours at end uh they were not designed to not move for these many hours not to mention the lifting and carrying of heavy bags as a part of the process lot of people have to spend several hours in a car either getting to the airport or getting from the airport to the destination of their choice so all in all the whole cumulative package definitely is is a recipe for disaster to develop a, a back problem a pinched nerve or sciatica and after having helped so many people you know deal with this problem later on this year i've decided to launch my workbook that will sort of help you prevent this problem from happening in the first place uh, it's our best chance our best attempt to keep our spine and our joints as healthy and as moving as possible as we can given the environment and the situation that we are in for long flights especially if you have layovers and stuff the time could really add up so who is this workbook for This workbook is for someone who gets occasional back stiffness, neck stiffness but is able to walk it off in a couple hours or so. Someone who has fully resolved their back problems in the past by either working with me or some other healthcare provider and do not have any real issues right now, but they are always worried in the back of their mind about having another impending back pain episode. If you are planning to get on a long flight, any flight that's longer than 2 to 3 hours or if you're planning to be in the car for several hours at a stretch in the next couple months this workbook is for you 
This workbook is however not for someone who is right now in an acute back pain or sciatica episode. I wanted to clarify that that this workbook is not a replacement for seeking professional medical help if right now you are in pain. So what does the workbook include? It, this workbook I believe it's a 15 to 16 page PDF guide and it includes concrete tips to help minimize back and neck problems including information about what type of lumbar rolls and pillows to use, movement guidelines for during the flight at the airport and when you reach the destination of your choice, you get access to an exercise library of my favorite top favorite exercises or movements that you could do while you are at the airport in the flight or as soon as you get to the hotel or Airbnb so you don't have to worry about what to do and how to do it and last but not the least tips on hydration especially in long flights based on recent guidelines so basically this is all my information and experience of having helped so many people over the years deal with these issues and help you prevent this from happening in the first place everything you need to pack in your suitcase so you don't have to worry about having a back pain or a sciatica episode while you're on the go i'm gonna attach the link to access this workbook uh, in the show notes it's an instantly downloadable workbook so as soon as you get the access you can download the pdf and uh, you know take advantage of all the resources that are outlined of course, if you have any questions about the workbook or if you're wondering if this is going to be the right fit for you, feel free to send me an email or send me a DM on Instagram and I'll be happy to answer those questions and clarify that for you. Because like I said, I've specifically outlined who this workbook is for and who this workbook is not for. Also, I would love to know and love to hear your feedback about how you found this workbook. Was it valuable for you? Did it help you uh, and did it meet your expectations? So, you know, feel free to email me, send me a direct message or, you know, tag me on Instagram. Any way you want to reach me and give me some feedback, I would highly, highly appreciate that. Alright, so hopping on now to the main topic of today's episode, which is the mental health benefits of exercising. So I talk to my patients often, you know, even on this podcast about helping you return to an active lifestyle after having back problems, knee problems, neck problems. So why do I emphasize so much, you know, on returning to an active lifestyle? And that's because uh, not it's not just my belief, but it's scientifically proven that exercise not only has physical health, but also mental health benefits. Uh, and in fact, mental health benefits are less talked about. So I wanted to dedicate this episode just to the mental health aspects of active and regular exercise. So let's dive deep into some of the mental health benefits. So research has shown that regular aerobic exercise or regular physical activity, it decreases your chances of having anxiety, depression, and it basically elevates your mood. So this is something we've all experienced, you know, if you go for a long walk, if you spend some time in the nature, if you go for a nice run, if you go for a nice swim, you feel a burst of mood elevation right away, which is something that you don't wouldn't experience 
otherwise. There is one theory that states that physical activity or exercise triggers the release of hormones dopamine and serotonin which actually improves your mood. There is not a lot of strong research that supports this theory but it definitely makes sense and it definitely is something that people who exercise regularly have experienced often. Exercise or a decent amount of physical activity is also now being used by mental health professionals as a treatment for people who deal with anxiety and panic attacks. So, you know, it's definitely something that's out there that the healthcare providers are starting to believe in more and seeing value in more. And it definitely is something to be, you know, mindful of. Another big mental health benefit of exercise is that it's shown to build the mind's muscles. What I mean by that is it improves your brain's ability and it improves your brain function like memory and cognitive function, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. So they basically found that people who exercise regularly have improved brain function in compared to people who were sedentary. So regular exercise not just helps you keep keep you in a better physical shape, but it can also improve your cognitive function, attention span and, you know, in fact, make you smarter. The third big mental health benefit of exercise is that it helps sharpen your memory. So there is some research that supports the idea that exercise changes your brain cells in a way that it helps to improve the function of memory. And the way it's being utilized now by scientists, researchers and doctors is in its role in prevention of memory related diseases like Alzheimer's. So although there's no real solid data that it actually slows down the process, there may be some value and some benefit in improving your memory as well. So how much exercise do we really need and what type of exercise would be beneficial, right? Should you, how much is too much and how little is too little is the question that I get often. So I would suggest that do what suits you and do what you enjoy. The easiest way to stick to an activity program or anything is by finding something that you really enjoy. If there is an exercise or activity that you truly get enjoyment out of, that is something that's going to stick with you longer and it's going to give you some real benefits over trying to stick with something because your doctor recommended that particular form of exercise or your neighbor does that particular form of exercise. So definitely do what suits you, even if it takes a little bit of experimenting, even if it takes switching from one exercise form to another, it's always best to stick with a program that suits your needs. For example, if you enjoy swimming, by all means, that's what you should be doing. If you enjoy taking long walks, that's what you should be doing. If you enjoy going on runs, that's what you should be doing. And that's why the number one goal of what I work with my patients is to get them back to an activity of their choice and not to an activity that I deem fit for them. The second important piece of advice that I have in this area is to combine at least two forms of exercise, if not more. 
A common mistake that I find people, especially active people, do repeatedly is that they tend to stick with just one form of exercise. And a common group known for that is runners. They enjoy running. They love running. It gives them all the physical and mental benefits that they are looking for. But they end up just doing running all six to seven days a week and nothing else. So things like just repeating the same motion over and over again could easily overload your system, your joints, your muscles in just one particular way, leading to injuries, causing aches and pains along the way. So the best way to avoid that is by combining at least two forms of exercise. So an example would be to combine running with strength training two to three days a week. Combining running with Pilates two to three days a week. If you enjoy going on long walks, you want to combine that with some form of strength training, some form of Pilates, some form of yoga two to three days a week. So an ideal combination of some form of aerobic exercise, combining that with something, some form of exercise that helps build muscles would be the ideal combination. The third important tip I have in this area is preferring outdoors over indoor exercising. Now I know that weather could play a big role in this, but whenever possible, exercising outdoors has much more value much more research-led benefits in comparison to exercising indoors so whenever you can take the opportunity of a nice day nice weather early in the mornings late in the evenings whenever it is based on what part of the world you are in it's it's always has more benefit to exercise outdoors versus doing it indoors and last but not the least is to make it social. If you can find a way to combine your exercising experience by having a, a friend or a partner or, you know, a co-worker, anyone that you enjoy having long talks with or, you know, who has the same exercise goals as you do, uh, making it social with them would be a great way to increase your chances of actually sticking with an exercise or an activity based program and also make it more fun and enjoy the just the company of each other along with, you know, the nice day that's out there. So making it social is also shown people's uh, people tend to stick with the exercise routines a lot longer if they have, you know, some companion who not only gives them good company, but also keeps them accountable. So here are some of my short but sweet tips about the mental health benefits of exercise and some tips that will help you choose the right type of an active lifestyle based program. Uh, for you and how you can stick with it in the long run to avoid and minimize injuries. Of course, I want to put it out there that I'm not a mental health professional by any means. And if there is anything concerning, it's always best to get, you know, professional advice. These tips are just for someone who is who's always been on the fence about getting into an active lifestyle or if you are just in a slumber right now and you needed that reminder, you needed that kick to just give you that push to get back into an active lifestyle routine, this podcast episode was for you. And if you knew someone who is in a similar kind of a slumber and could use this reminder, feel free to share this episode with them and hopefully they can get value from it. 
so hope you're enjoying these podcast episodes i've been getting some nice reviews about them so thanks for listening in thanks for leaving reviews and if you haven't done so yet please subscribe to this podcast channel on your itunes and do leave me a ratings or a review on your itunes as well as it helps to spread the message about this podcast and it helps reach a wider audience hope you have a nice day thank you so much for listening to the healthy back today i'll be back next week with more tips to help you lead a pain free and active lifestyle For now don't forget to hit the subscribe button and please don't forget to share this podcast with your friends or anyone else who might benefit from learning about how to live a healthy lifestyle.